on the cross as we have been singing about. But the story did not end there as we uh, just sang about. But Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, conquering sin, death, Satan's schemes, so that everyone who looks to him might have life in his name. But the story doesn't end there. After Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just end everything, okay? But he left his mission in the hands of his followers. And because they had seen the resurrected Christ, they wanted to make sure that the earth resounded with praise starting in Jerusalem and then all throughout the surrounding regions to the very end of the earth. Now, we would be surprised to discover that these were just ordinary men and women. They were just ordinary people. They, they weren't much different than me or you, okay? Some of them uh, were, were not even, uh, in fact, most of them, all of them were, were not even uh, trained formally, okay? It's what it says in Acts chapter 4, as we could read about, okay? They were just ordinary people who had spent time with Jesus, and they became what we could say was the, the most successful startup organization the world has ever known. Now, how could that be? How could these, these group of, of, of just ordinary men and women become so successful in spreading the mission that Jesus had handed down to, to them? And I think, I think this, if, if we were to able to you know, walk the streets of Jerusalem to see what was going on there, what would, we would find is this, that they were a group of people that were living in complete harmony with one another. Okay, their, their lives were like totally synced up, okay? There, there were no issues of the cloud not working, all right? There were like no conflicted copies. Anybody feeling me, okay? No conflicted copies in the early church, very few if there were any, okay? Because they were just so committed to Jesus and his mission, they were in harmony. Maybe if you like music, you can think of, of a symphony. Now, now I, don't, I don't know how to play the drums, but, but if I did play the drums, I, I kind of picture myself in, in my visions, all right? It's kind of like the lead drummer of like a heavy metal band or something, you know? Just like, I know this is weird, you probably don't think about me, but it's just like, you know, just really tearing it up and on these solos and kind of twirl the stick for a moment and then hit the cymbals and crash. And, but that, I mean, that's kind of cool and that's okay. But, but a symphony, what happens if you're a drummer in a symphony you just kind of hit that, maybe that timpani drum, am I right there? Is that what it's called? That really large one, you know? It's just like, boom, 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 brrr, boom. Now, it's not quite as exciting as the solo act until you throw the, the strings in there and the, the woodwinds in there and, and you, you see them following the, the magic stick of the conductor, right? And then all of a sudden you have this symphonic delight, right? All of the pieces are working together to produce this beautiful sound. And this is what life was like in the early church. They were in sync. They were in harmony. They were working together. They were doing mission in community, all right? So look, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no graphic designer, all right? But I created this. Aren't you proud? All right? And what we have here are these stick people that I found on Google Images, because that's how I make graphics, all right? And 
and they are, they are moving in the same direction, hence all of the arrows here on the right side of the screen. But, but what they're doing handed de- the, with this mission that Christ had handed down to them is they're actually working together. That's what all those other arrows are pointing to one another. They're doing life together. They're caring for one another. They're, they're praying for one another, praying together. They're, 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 everything that they're doing is out of a concern, not just for God's glory, but also for one another. So I want you to, to, to remember this picture here. As, as we seek to mimic ourselves after the early church, we want to do mission, but we want to do mission together in community. You see, the secret to their success was not just that they were doing life together in harmony, in sync, but they were doing it because of Jesus empowering them to serve in the mission. So when Jesus left them, he didn't really leave them because God the Father and God the Son sent God the Spirit to empower them for the mission that he had passed on to them. So that's what we see in the beginning of the book of Acts, Chapter 1, verse 8, this is the theme verse for Acts, by the way, where it says this, but you will, speaking, Jesus speaking to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my Jerus- uh, witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Okay, so what we have here is the outline of the book of Acts, all right? It starts, the story starts in Jerusalem, it spreads to Judea, Samaria, and then ultimately to the end of the earth in chapter 28, which we'll see next week when Paul's in Rome under arrest and he's proclaiming the gospel to the people in Rome. And think about this, Jesus giving them this mission to not just kind of hang out where, you know, they were familiar with, um, they were supposed to be his witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, now what had just happened in Jerusalem? They murdered Jesus, right? They, they, they killed Jesus. They crucified him. The, the, though he was innocent, he was crucified, all right? And, and, and so that wasn't a safe place for them to be. And then he says, go to Judea and Samaria. Samaria was a place where they didn't want to go because they didn't really like Samaritans, all right? And then he says, not only that, not only do you want, to, want you to witness in a place where people hate you and go to a place where you really kind of hate them, but then I want you to go to the end of the earth where you don't even know where you're going. I mean, this was not an easy mission. And yet we see because they were convinced that Jesus was alive, that Jesus had the power to uh, give them what they needed for the mission, they followed his commands. They, they went on mission together as a community. And, and, I, and I know that we're going to talk a lot about doing life together. And, and, and this, kind of, this kind of picture that we have of Jesus' community, it really kind of startles us as individualistic Americans, right? I mean, we are kind of a people that are kind of like, man, look, I'm all set. I don't need like help. What are you talking about? I'm good to go. Um, for us to share our needs our time, our resources, our joys, sorrows, concerns, and even our lives. I mean, we just kind of initially feel like, man, I'm a little too busy for that. And yet this is what we see. 
happening. The, the first followers of Jesus operated as they were filled with God's spirit. They operated with a we, not me mentality. And that's what I want to see us continue to cultivate in the life of our church. So we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is a summary statement, all right? In other words, this, these, these verses here, these six verses, are summing up what life looked like in the early church. And as we see this picture, hopefully we, as Redemption Hill Church, will want to take our cues from them and live this thing out in like manner, all right? So, so the encouragement for us this morning is to live life together with a we over me mindset. What, is it, what does it say in Acts chapter 2, verse 42? Here we go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord, added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, let's, let's zoom in just for a moment on the first few words of verse 42. What does it say again? Don't miss this. I hope you walk away with this today. It says, and they devoted themselves. Okay, let's just break that down right, for a moment. And they, for all of you grammarians out there, is that, is that word they singular or plural? That would be plural, right? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm no, you know, PhD in English, all right? But I, I got that. Um, and it says they devoted, devoted themselves to Right, so, so, so themselves, is that, is that singular or is that plural? Huh? Oh, there we go. Okay, so all right. So, so, so we see, thank you very much. Right, we, we see that this is a group of people that weren't on solo missions individualistically living this thing out, but they were together devoting themselves to a particular way of life, to shared action. To say that they were devoted means they had a steadfast and single-minded fidelity to a certain course of action. So we should ask ourselves, well, what was that? What did they devote themselves to? I want to give you five encouragements as we see them through this passage. Okay, number one, be devoted to the word of Christ together. All right, all caps in case you can't see very good, right? That's be devoted to the word of Christ together. Verse, verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the first action in the list. Okay, so who are the apostles? The word apostle simply means a sent one. Okay, these were, these were a group of, of men who had seen, had spent time with Christ, seen the resurrected Christ, took their marching orders from Jesus, and they were sent by Jesus to teach what he had taught them. So they knew the word. They, they knew uh, what Jesus taught. And they went and they, they built uh, the foundation of their message 
completely on what he had shared with them. I mean, we see this in Acts chapter 2. We don't have time to read verses 1 through 41 where Peter and the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in languages where people can understand them and they're telling the gospel of how Jesus is truly the Son of God. He really rose from the dead and people can find life through him and his sacrifice for us. You see, it's the word of God that unified them. It's the word of God that provides the foundation for everything that we're about as a church. Okay, We don't know what to do, where to go, how to act, how to live if we don't have God directing us in the mission. And yet, by God's grace, we do. We have his marching orders right here as we look to our conductor, Jesus Christ. So think about, let me just, let me just ask you this. Think about your life. How, if, if we were just to go percentages here, okay? We're not looking for some, some precise, you know, 55.6 or anything. But just, just if you were to think about your life for a moment. How, how much time do you spend reading the Bible on your own versus with other brothers and sisters in Christ? All right, and, and let's just, for the sake of, you know, getting a little more precise, let's, let's maybe just set aside Sunday worship for a moment, okay? Because like here we are together, like man, my percentage just went up, right? No, no, no. Like why is it that as Americans, I think our culture influences the way that we see and, and practice the scripture, all right? We think that it's really spiritual if we're kind of tucked away doing, I mean, we want to tuck away and do our quiet time, right? And, and be devoted to the word individually. That's certainly part of it. Don't get me wrong here. All right. But, but like how much time are we saying, man, I want to get in the word with my spiritual family. Those that have been adopted by God and we share the same spiritual blood because we're one now in him. Let me encourage you to just start small, all right? I mean, if you're like me, man, you want to hit home runs, you know what I'm saying? Like, big poppies, like seven away from 500. That's how, like, that's how I'm living my spiritual life for God, man. I'm like, I'm trying to knock it out of the park. And so I think, man, this means I've got to rearrange my whole calendar, all right? And just so I can find ways to devote myself to the word together. But, but just, just start small, okay? Let me just give you a framework for what this might look like. Five minutes, all right? Here's an example. Just Friday morning, I was spending time with one of my brothers in Christ. And I, and I just said, you know what? I think it would be awesome if you took these 10 verses that we were talking about and if you went and read them with your, your wife. Now, now, just think about this. I mean, we're all busy, right? We're Bostonians. We work hard. We play hard. All right? So we, it's hard to find time to, to do these type of, of things that really, you know, give us life. How, 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 how contrary is that but anyway that's another point um so i just said you know 10 verses take these 10 verses that is to be exact in this case 207 words that can be read in about 75 seconds all right so as soon as we just took 75 seconds out of out of your life and so you, you read that you can even read it twice and you're only up to two and a half minutes by the way my math is not incredible but it's accurate there all right so so, so we read the word together. You guys with me? 
And then we discuss it, maybe just for a couple of minutes, all right? I mean, you can extend this out as long as you want, of course, but, but we could just throw a question. John introduced these a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about discipling our children, like pointing our kids to Christ with the Word, all right? So we can just ask one of these four questions if you only have maybe five minutes to take care of this business, all right? What did this passage mean to its original audience in God's story? That's a great question. Um, What does this passage tell us about the triune God? Every passage has something to say about who God is. Uh, The third question, what does this passage tell us about man? Who are we? How how should we be responding? And then finally, that's the, the fourth question. What does this passage demand of me today in God's story? So you can just you can just take one of those questions, you can discuss it. It doesn't have to be lengthy thoughts, it'll be a quick thought. Hey, this is how. I, I see that God wants me to re- respond. This is who God is in, in this passage. Each of you share for one minute. Now we're up to hmm, three minutes and 15 seconds or four and a half minutes. And then we just pray. And for the sake of time, how about you pray for that person and they pray for you and you're really focused. And all of a sudden, we found a way to devote ourselves to the word together in just five simple minutes. And I got to tell you, like, Pastor Tanner needs to work on this one, all right? I need to work on this in my home with my wife. I need to work on this one with my my kids. I need to work on this with my friends and community group at Redemption Hill. Because I'm just just as prone as the the next person in here to say, like, okay, I took care of that on Sunday. Group went well. We're good to go. And it's just like, where is the word entering into my daily relationships? This is one reason why we have community groups at Redemption Hill. We're going to talk about groups today. And and we have groups because we believe that Sunday is not enough to really keep us going and thriving spiritually, all right? I mean, Sunday is important, right? It's important. But what we see in Acts is that the people were getting together. They were interacting with each other consistently through the week, It wasn't just a Sunday thing. It was like an everyday thing. The rhythm of their life was to interact with one another. And when they were were, uh, together, all right, listen, we want to be social. We're we're a very social church. I love that about Redemption, okay? But, But being social doesn't mean that we're like a social club, all right? We're a community of Christ. So there's an issue with me and my kind of walk with Jesus if I'm getting together with you, but the word is never entering into that relationship. If you're talking to me about your problems and your joys, and, and, and I'm not filtering that through a biblical lens and encouraging you with the word, it's going to keep you going in Christ on a daily basis and encourage you in your faith. So let's devote ourselves to the word together. Read, discuss, pray. It's as simple as that. Christ must be the center of the community that we enjoy. All right. Number two, be devoted to sharing life together. Be devoted to sharing life together. The, the, next, the next action that's described here in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, just covered that, and fellowship. Now, what does this word fellowship mean? It means sharing things in common. All right. It's why we talk about life together, doing life together as a family in Christ. The term was often used to describe the type of mutuality that takes place in a marriage, all right? 
sharing life together, sharing physical space together, sharing emotions together, all of these types of things that we see. In short, they were sharing life at all levels together. And so as we keep reading, we can see this happening in, in some, some different ways. Um, look, look at what it says in the next, the next uh, phrase. It says that they were devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, at minimum, this refers to sharing meals together, all right? But it, it could also be alluding to the Lord's Supper, actually what we're going to uh, uh, practice in, in just a bit after, after we respond to the Word. As we respond to the Word, we'll partake of communion or the Lord's Supper, all right? Um, so... So the, the, the early church was devoting themselves to coming together to share a meal. And in the first century, to share a meal together was a sign of intimacy and acceptance. If you've read the Gospels, you know that the religious leaders who didn't really understand the ways of God like everyone thought they did, got really upset with Jesus when he sat down to eat with prostitutes, tax collectors, and quote-unquote sinners, Right? And why was that? It was because he was, he was welcoming them into relationship. He wasn't approving of their unrighteous ways, okay? But he was saying, look, I came to help those who were sick. And we're all sick. The religious leaders are very sick, even though they couldn't see it. And so when we share a meal together, we're sharing a level of, of intimacy and togetherness. Just last week, last Sunday, all right? Um, we were finishing up Teardown, and our Teardown team invited me to go to lunch with them, all right? So we had James and Ellery and Will and Alex and Scott and Ken and Haley represent for the ladies, all right? And, and we went to Tenoch, just right here in Mefford Square, and you know what happened? In 40 minutes of sharing a meal together, in a small but in a significant way, we, we got to know one another a little bit more. We, 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 we went a little deeper than we would have if we would have not shared that meal together. Just it's as simple as spending time together. So, so let me just encourage you, try it out and see if you do not grow closer with that person that you share a meal with. So if you, if you cook, some of you are really good cooks, all right? I'll give you my number after church. You can cook up. You know, meal sometime with a fan. Um, now, if, if you cook, then invite someone over to hang with you, right? If you don't cook, grab something or make a PB&J. That's peanut butter and jelly, all right, in case you missed that. Um, or if you can cook, teach one, someone who can't cook how to cook and spend some time that way. Or if you can't cook, get together with someone else who can't cook and learn how to cook together. You know what I'm saying? The point is spending time together. Three meals a day. Some of you are on a crazy diet. Maybe you're, you're, you're knocking down five. I don't know. All right? But we, we do that, and we, we, we learn to, to care for one another over meals. Uh, verses 45, uh, 44 and 45 go on to say that they share material possessions with one another. Look at what it says. Uh, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so when, a, when they saw a brother or sister in need, they were willing to collect their resources and help that person out. 
Okay, yes, this was voluntary. Okay, they did, this wasn't socialism or communism where they were, you know, giving up all rights to all their possessions, all right, to have all things in common. That's not what, not what it means. Okay, clearly they had homes because they were meeting in those homes that they uh, possessed. But this was voluntary love for one another to meet needs out of a generous heart. And I think we need to hear this. I need to hear this. I mean, as Americans... We, just the air we breathe are materialism and comfort, right? It's, it's uncomfortable to take what is mine and sacrifice it for someone else, but that, that's, what, that's what Christians do. The generosity of God moves us to be generous to others. And what I love about the early church, don't miss this, okay, well, we already read it. They were, they were sharing meals together and they were giving up their own possessions together and they were really happy about it. It says they had glad and generous hearts. It wasn't a drag. It wasn't something that they did reluctantly, but they loved to give because they were one. You know that Jesus is is running the show, all right? When our concerns for we trump our concerns for me. Think about that. When our concern for someone else trumps our concern for ourselves, you know that Jesus is really running the show. So if you go back to Acts 4.32, it says in a summary statement again, now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul, got to love that, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. This wasn't just chapter two. I mean, this was going on, moving forward, because they really lived like family, because they were family. You know, I was hanging at Assembly Row on Thursday night, and I was going to pick up uh, Mr. Kevin Sanders over here, a church planter in Arlington. He, he preached for us last week. He's a, you know, he's a worldwide global church planter, working partnerships, so he's got to travel around. So, so me, just, you know, lowly Redemption Hill pastor, I just went to pick him up, you know. And, but I had a couple of extra hours, and I needed to, you know, kind of work on this sermon a bit. So, so I went to J.P. Licks, all right? Now, to your surprise, I didn't get an ice cream with Jimmy's, all right? I just got a coffee. And the guy, the guy in front of me, by the way, his name was Sergio. The dude bought me my coffee. It was like, whoa, it was awesome. That's, that hasn't happened in a long time. So I, like, chased him down, thanked him, and told him to come here on a Sunday sometime. Hopefully we'll see him, all right? But, but um, as I was sitting out there in those kind of low-riding rocking chairs that are really comfortable, you know, it was a nice night, beautiful on Thursday night. And I've got my headphones in, and I'm trying to do my work, but I love people. I'm a people watcher, and so I'm kind of watching people live in community, all right? There were, there were people there that acted like they really enjoyed being together. And how do you know that? Well, uh, they, they were smiling. They were laughing. They were sitting near one another, all right? And then I saw a couple dudes with, with their ladies there. They were on dates, apparently. And, and to their credit, okay, they were like, they were like leaned in, listening. I don't know what she was saying. I had my headphones in. It was all nonverbal. Okay, but, but you could see that they, they enjoyed being together, right? And this is, this is what the church should look like. I mean, we should, we should enjoy being together. We should, we should lean in to get to know one another, to listen to one another, to grow together. One thing that I love about our church, I mean, we, we don't love each other perfectly, we definitely can be selfish just like the next person, okay, but, but I really believe we are a church that, that, that loves one another, that we're growing in this, 
that we're rejoicing together, we're sharing burdens together, we're caring for one another, we're praying for one another, we're sharing possessions with one another when needs arise. I see this as one of the pastors, and I know if you've been around very long, you see it too. So let's increasingly do so more and more, as Paul will often say in his letters in the New Testament writings. Are you living in community? Are you, are you making it the practice of your life to live in community? Do people know you and do you know them? Do, do they know when things are going well at work and you're making progress or do, you, do, they, do they know when you're struggling? Do you have relationships where people would know you well enough that they could come to you and say, look, because I love you and because I struggle in different areas myself, I'm concerned for you, man. You're, you're kind of going too hard here. I'm afraid you're going to burn out. Or, or, or have you ever thought reconsidering kind of your approach in this area of life? Or, you know, even better than that, um, man, what you, what you did for that person was awesome. And it encouraged me to be, to be generous and loving toward the people in my life. This is what it looks like to, to devote ourselves to fellowship, to, to share life together at all levels, to live in community together. Here's a little equation for you, okay? Time plus intentionality equals transformation. That's, that's what we're about, okay? We want to become more like Jesus, all right, which is transformation. And so how does that happen? It happens over time with intentionality attached to that. So, so it's going to take intentionality for us to care for one another. It's going to take intentionality for us to, to pray together. It's going to take intentionality to get into the word together, to rearrange our priorities and our calendar a little bit to make these things happen. But when we do that, transformation occurs. Be devoted to fellowship together. Number three, be devoted to prayer together. Let me give you two case studies from Acts chapters one through four. Okay, the first is at the very beginning after Jesus spends 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God and he gives them this, this encouragement and promise, you're gonna receive power, you're gonna be my witnesses. And then he ascends to heaven right before their eyes. They're amazed. Angels show up. Why are you staring into the sky looking? He's gonna come back the way that he uh, is, is going up. And then in verse 14, what does it say about the early church? It says this. After they returned to Jerusalem, all these with one accord, I love that, one heart knit together, living this thing out together in perfect harmony. Um, it says that they devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So they could have been doing a lot of things and perhaps they were tempted to. I mean, they, they were under the threat of persecution. The, the leaders of Jerusalem had just taken out their greatest friend and leader, Jesus. And so they could have been looking for a way out of the city. They could have, they could have been looking for a way to retreat. But it says, as they were gathered together with one mind, one heart, one soul, with one accord, praying to God, asking God to move in their midst. And then we get to chapter two, and it happens. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit shows up. They preach Jesus. Jesus is saving people, changing their lives using them for his glory. 
That's good news. Case study number two, Acts chapter three. We don't have time to read these two chapters, but let me just tell you what's going on, okay? Peter and John are going into uh, the temple, and it says when they they were about to enter the temple, um, they see this man who was lame from birth, and he's begging for alms. He he needs some material possessions to to meet some of his needs. And so Peter uh, says to him, look, silver or gold, I don't have, but what I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Miracle happens. This guy starts walking. People are amazed. They gather around. And then Peter starts seeing this as as a great opportunity to share about Jesus because Jesus did that, not him. And so he just proclaims the gospel to everyone who's there, all right? People are, are continuing to be changed. The religious leaders don't like that. And so they arrest Peter and John and tell them not to speak about Jesus anymore. So in chapter 4, look at, look at verse 7. It says, uh, and when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we, I love this stuff, all right? It's so bold, all right? So true. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means, um, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. And when they then say, in in verse 17, they ordered them to to spread it no further. Um, They were going to warn them not to speak any longer in this name. Peter and John say in verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, um, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They're, they're, they're resolute in the mission, and even in the threat of persecution. Then, then look what happens in verse 23. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported. They went back to the community, all right, because they were doing life together. And it says that in verse 24, and when they heard it, what did they do? They lifted their voices together to God. Let's read this. And said, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at this prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Chapter one, they're praying. Chapter four, they're praying. And when they pray, they receive power. There's power for the mission when we pray together. I mean, th- this, is, this is what we used to be like saying, sign me up for that, Right? Don't we want the power of God to be at work in us and through this? Absolutely. 
But how does it come? It comes when we seek him together, when we depend on him and not ourselves. And, 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 and we should be doing this actively together. Just this, just this week again, it's like, cool, God just writing my sermon this week with all these different examples of doing life together. I had a friend from Redemption Hill on Wednesday morning, so you know I've got a lot of things going on at work. Could we pray together? And so, thankfully, I was, I was up, all right? I wasn't sleeping in, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and we got together and we prayed together. I was actually meeting with another friend at Redemption Hill. That's what pastors do, you know, try to encourage, encourage uh, our people. And so that was awesome. I mean, what a great example for me to follow that was set by someone in our church. He took the initiative. Hey, I need, I need some prayer. Could we pray together on my way to work? And that's what we did. So, so just, just beware, right? Watch your phone. If 781-866-095 calls you this week, okay, that's me, all right? And I want you to pick up because I'm going to pray with somebody this week. If you're at work, tell your boss that great-grandma's calling, all right? Because we got to pray together. We got to be about, we got to be about that business, all right? I'm just joking about that, but I hope, I hope, hope we can chat. I hope we can pray together, all right? They devoted themselves to prayer together. Number four, this will be quick. They, de- they were devoted to worship together. Okay, put, sim- put simply, they prioritized what they were made for. They prioritized what they were made for. I'm reading this, this little uh, story Bible that's called The Biggest Story with My Kids. On the very first page, what it says about Genesis chapter one is that we were made in the image of God. And the way that it puts it in the children's Bible is this, that we are to be little mirrors of God's glory. All right, we are to be reflections of how great God is so that in our lives, what it means to worship is that we are pointing people back to God and say, if you see a little goodness in me, just know that it didn't come from me, it came from him. If you see me loving someone and sacrificing of my own resources for the sake of them, just know that that love came from him. He is the one who gives us all things. They were devoted to, to praise. Uh, look, at, look in verse 46 of chapter 2. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together, there they were, uh, worshiping God and breaking bread in their homes in smaller groups. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. I love what we see in the book of Acts. It says that they, they were in awe of who God is, verse 43, and it says that they experience glad and generous uh, hearts together in verse 45. Okay, so this is what should uh, characterize our worship of God day by day, whether we're here on Sunday or whether we're at work on Tuesday or whether we're hanging out together on Wednesday night. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, it's, it's in awe of who God is, but also, man, that gives us joy. That gives us gladness when we are worshiping him rightly because Christ has been raised from the dead and he gives us life. It's a life of really perpetual celebration. Doesn't mean life's always grand or the way that we would draw it up. Doesn't mean there's not suffering and opposition. Certainly we see that already in the first four chapters of Acts. But what we see are people praising God because God deserves our praise. They were devoted to worship together. And then finally, they were devoted to the word of Christ together. And they watched God work together. Now, I know if you've been really paying attention in this sermon, you say, well, hold on, Tanner. 
the first point was be devoted to the word together, and now we're in the last point, and it's be devoted to the word together. Like, that was numeros uno, now we're on numero cinco, and what's the deal? Like, didn't you go f- to school for this stuff? All right? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the end of verse 47. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. The whole book of Acts, their entire mission was wherever they found themselves, no matter what they were doing, whether they were hanging together in their homes, at work together, going out and and hanging out with people who didn't know Jesus, they were always ready to share the message of Christ. So what is implied in this summary statement is that these people, as they were doing life together and encouraging one another and praying for one another and bearing one another's burdens and forgiving one another when they had wronged one another and all of these things, as they did that together, they were a witness to Christ, both in their their testimony of how they lived, but also with their words. And as they shared that word, God was amazing. God was faithful. God was showing his power to bring more people into the life that they had already been given. And so this is who we are as a church. We want to invite people into life. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead and conquered over it, showing that he has life in himself, the power over death, so he gives us life. And that is the message that we share with all people, that the name of Christ would resound from Boston to India and to the ends of the earth. What I love about this picture is this. It is hard to keep a church that is devoted to Jesus and one another. It is hard to keep that church from growing, growing together spiritually and growing numerically because God brings people to life as the word of life goes forth. So let me just end with this, okay? We're talking about the church, and we're talking about doing life together, and we're saying how we do that at Redemption Hill is not just gathering on Sundays, but, but gathering in groups, okay? Where we, what is a community group, by the way? A community group is a group of roughly 8 to 16 people that get together at some point throughout the week to do life together to get in the Word and apply the Word and pray together and hang out together and catch up to encourage one another. That's what, that's what a community group is. It's, it's what we see happening here in the book of Acts. We want to devote ourselves to the apostle teaching, fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread. We want to do that on Sundays, but we want to do that in smaller groups too so that we can help one another along. So, so let, me just, let me just kind of close with this, all right? We were at the beach yesterday. If you can't tell, I kind of got cooked like a lobster, all right? And, um, and, and the kids, all right, we were at the Sanders family. The kids were, were digging this hole, all right? And, and they, you know, said, you know, if this is a big job for a group of, you know, kids that are six and five and four and three and two and one and zero. And, uh, and so they, they were like, man, we need, some, we need two grown-ups to help us out. I'm like, all right, here we go. So, so Kevin and I go over and we get our, you know, two-inch shovels and we're digging out, you know, and then... And then, and then Kevin, Kevin came up with a great idea because he got the bucket. I don't know why I got the two-inch shovel, but he got the bucket. He's like scooping it out with the bucket. Then he, he leaves to take care of their, their newborn. And so now it's me with the bucket. I'm just trying to, you know, follow 
uh, Hudson's orders. He's the leader. He's the oldest, all right? And so I'm trying to follow his orders, get this hole a little bit bigger. And then it dawns on me, you know, to ask the question that we all ask in life. Like, hey, Hudson, why are we doing this? Like, you know, like, like you said this big, like, what, what's our purpose here? And he says, to look for treasure, I'm like, all right, of course that's what we're doing. And so I, now I'm motivated to continue to dig for treasure with my, my leader here. And, and, and don't, we, don't we ask the why question, the why behind the what? And we should ask that in everything. So, so what is the why behind the what of groups? Here it is. Because God has chosen, listen to this, God has chosen community to be the context for the miracle of transformation. For any one of us to become more like Christ, that is a miracle. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. Jesus We're becoming like Jesus day by day from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, until we are with him and we are like him for we shall see him as he is, friends. That is a miracle. So what I am inviting you to is this, to to do life together, to come on Sundays, yes, but to get in a group and experience the miracle of transformation together. Look, I know there are plenty of excuses. Man, I don't have time for that. Let's look at our priorities. All right, I don't like people. Well, you are one. Let's like work on that. All right, um, they aren't like me. Welcome to the club. I'm too, yeah. Let me just say this. I've never met a person as Maybe they're holding out on me. I've never met a person at Redemption who said, you know what, that was a waste of my time. It didn't help me grow in Christ. I've never met one. I've never met someone who, who if they were consistent over time, even with setbacks along the way, that, that over time, with intentionality, they weren't experiencing the miracle of transformation if they really gave themselves to this. So I want to invite you today to commit your life first to Christ, But because Jesus creates a people who belong together to do life together, to to not kind of sit on the sidelines and wait, like, even if you you can't figure out the the best, like, let's let's get in a group and come some rather than coming none. That's much better to be known and to know and to to do this thing together. So I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray that God would give us grace to live this thing out, this mission in community, and to do it together. Let's pray. Father, thank you.